0: Uh, Please join me in prayer. Lord, uh, you are perfect in all of your ways. You are a good, good Father. And it's just so good we can put our lives in your hands, in the good hands, and we can trust you totally because you are trustworthy. You are the faithful one. Mm. Thank you that you're always working. We might not see it. We might not understand it. But you are. And you have good in mind for us. And all for your glory. And just commit this this time to you right now. Open our eyes to your word. Speak to our hearts. Change us in the way you want. I ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. in the book of 1 Kings this morning. 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, the story of Elisha. 1 Kings 19, 19. So Elijah went up from there and found Elisha, son of Shabbat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat, gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. So we learn earlier in the the text, actually verse 16, where God told Elijah to go and anoint Elisha. I'm going to mix those up today. I just know I am. God told Elijah to go and anoint Elisha as the one who would take his place as the next prophet. So he finds Elisha out plowing the field. So if all 12 teams of oxen were actually his, it would mean that he was wealthy. He was a successful farmer. Now, this was, no, this was no small business. It's also an important detail to note that Elisha was actually out in the field working. Right? He was with the other men um, in the field with his, with his plow and yoke of oxen. He wasn't back home, you know, counting the bags of grain in order to determine if he would make a profit. Did you get that profit? Not, yeah. So. <laughs> The other prophet. It's hot. Okay, humor <laughs> me. Humor <laughs> me. So Elijah walks up, takes off his cloak, throws it across Elisha's shoulders. So, you know, what, what's a cloak? Well, a cloak's a mantle. It's really like a, a poncho. Probably goat skin. Hair um, side was probably out showing. And this is what distinguished the prophets, in that they had a special office, they had a special role, they had a special calling. Symbolically, it was transferring position and power from the elder prophet to the younger prophet. By taking on the cloak, Elisha was clothing himself with the spirit of Elijah. Elisha's name means God is salvation, or God saves. Like Joshua, whose name meant the Lord saves, served under Moses and was called to take Israel into the promised land. Elisha is called by God to carry on the work started by his predecessor, Elijah. So after appointing him, appointing Elisha, Elijah takes off walking. And Elisha drops the plow, runs after him. "Hey, Hey, wait up you know, I'm coming. Just, just give me a minute. I want to go say goodbye to the folks. I want to close up shop, and I'm coming with you. I'm going to follow you. That's Henry's paraphrase. Elijah says, go back, for what have I done to you? In other words, no problem. No problem. Go home. You're free to go. You can do what you choose. Take your time. But don't forget, Elijah. don't forget about your call. Remember that it was actually God. Ultimately, it was God who laid his hand on your shoulder, not me. So Elijah makes his way back home. We don't know the time frame, but I got to wonder. I mean, he's, he's a guy, he's a man. Maybe it didn't happen to him, but it certainly has happened to me. I mean, he, did he have questions? Did he have doubts? Did he have fears about what is this really going to mean for me? And what if he had those, you know, family members and friends that just seemed like they have to give input into your life? Are you sure this is a wise move, Elisha? You know, what about your parents? They're probably elderly, right? Don't you care about them? The business, who is gonna take over the farm? You know, and really, come on, think about it. Is, is being a prophet really a good fit for you? I mean, you are no Elijah. Let's face it. Elijah, this guy's famous. He's amazing. Really? You're going to take his place, huh? And where are you going to live? Have you asked about the pay? I mean, the compensation package? What's the retirement plan? And have you thought... Have you thought, Elisha, just how dangerous this could be for you? Would God really want to put you in a place like that of risk? Hmm. You see, a prophet is uh, is a man or a woman called by God to communicate his word or his message to the world. And most Old Testament prophets' messages concern the people of Israel. And if other nations were mentioned, it usually was in connection, the connection they had with with the nation of Israel. And all prophets shared this prophetic ministry. They had to tell forth, right, proclaim God's word. And often they had to foretell or predict the future. And this is important. Their primary message was to call a wayward Israel back to true faith, back to their, their covenant relationship with God. He's calling them to repent in order to enjoy the blessings, promises, and the future of hope only found in God. Unlike us, perhaps. But these rebellious people didn't really appreciate being told to repent and turn from their wicked ways. So, prophets' messages were really not very welcome. They were not well received. So that meant A prophet's life was often a life of sacrifice, of suffering, and even the threat of death was a very real, not only possibility, but probability. So who in his right mind would leave the good life to follow some religious zealot like Elijah into the totally unknown, risky future? Well, that would be a man or a woman who is called. Elisha accepts the call. I mean, he goes so far, he slaughters the oxen. He makes an altar out of the yokes, the plows, the tackle, and he offers the whole thing up to God. He sets his business, his way of life, his past, everything on fire, burns it. And then he has a celebration. Takes the meat, cooks it up, a celebration, a farewell, me- a farewell meal with the family, the community, and then he takes off. Not to take Elijah's place. It wasn't his time yet, was it? It says here that um, he set out to follow Elijah and become his attendant, to become his servant. Like David was Saul, he knew his place. He knew it wasn't time yet. He knew that was what he was to do. He was to follow. He was to serve. And this is the message for us today. When God lays the mantle on your shoulders and calls you to follow him, don't turn back. Don't turn back. Remember what Jesus said to every single disciple he called? Just two words, right? Follow me. Follow me. He is saying the same two words to each one of us today. Follow me. Just real quick, I want to jump over to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, uh, verse 57. In my Bible, it's entitled, The Cost of Following Jesus. Luke 9, 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. The man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Verse 61, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. that sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service of the kingdom of God. Wow. Really? Seriously? I mean, it sounds like Jesus is like, Doesn't care about family. He's like totally unsympathetic. He's indifferent to to our needs and what's really going on. Well, I don't think that's the point of the passage at all. I think the point is he's stressing the seriousness of being an all-in committed follower. See, he knew these people's hearts. Unlike Elisha, they weren't just going home to kiss mom and dad goodbye to follow they are making excuses. They're trying to figure out, how can I like, get out of this? Like, give me some more time, Lord, because I'm really not following through with this one. You ever had that battle before with the Lord? You probably all have it memorized, but if you don't, we'll put it up on the screen. The mission and purpose statement. This is FBC's mission and purpose statement. to introduce people to Jesus Christ and to help them become his committed followers. If you've been here for the past few weeks, you've heard Pastor Russ um, teaching a great series on introducing people to Jesus Christ, right? Well, today we're talking about becoming his committed followers, the second half of the mission statement. And my question is, do do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? Maybe I should rephrase that. Do you know whose you are? You're a child of God. Let that sink in for a minute. You're a child of God. You're a citizen of heaven. You're his disciple, chosen one. You are an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you are called to be holy. You are called to be a light into the world, to love, to serve, to go and make disciples, and so much more. That's who you are. And as a faithful follower, out plowing your field, well, I just want to encourage this one, be ready. If you are following Jesus Christ and you're doing what he asked you to do, and you're plowing your field, be ready. When he lays that mantle or that cloak across your shoulders. He's got a specific call designed just for you. I don't know what that is. It could be to a specific people group like the Mackies going to Japan. It could be working with children, women, men, the poor, victims of abuse, trafficking. I I, I don't know. I don't want to try to begin to fill in those blanks. He may be calling you to something very specific, how he wants you to use your spiritual gifts. Like like you heard in Paul's voice talking about going to Japan. There's something he's passionate about. Feeding, serving, building, adopting, leading, teaching, creating, giving, giving. Your gift, led by the Holy Spirit, to what he is laying on your shoulder to go and to do. Now, I believe there are special assignments with a call. God gave me a call, which is really interesting. <laughs> that verse, the same verse that, that Paul and Kiki put up on the screen. This is the verse he gave Vicki and I. In Psalm 96.3, declare his glory among the nation, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. That was my call, full-time ministry. God, whatever you want me to do that, however you want me to do that, I want to proclaim you wherever I go. I want to see people live, sold out to you. And that call hasn't changed. Assignments, yes, assignments do change. Vicki and I served the South American Mission for almost 20 years. Been here for the past 13. I don't know what his next assignment will be. Maybe just call me home. But unlike the call, assignments can and and they usually change. You want to watch the, the journeys of Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. He knew what he was called to do to reach the Gentiles but God, he'd be going to Jerusalem and off he'd go in a different direction and The Macedonian call and things like that. You'll see that assignments often change. Don't get wigged out with that one. It's okay. But God, I thought you were taking me here to do this and to just be obedient. Where you are right now, he's showing you. Say, yes, yes, Lord, I will go. I will fall. I don't understand. Elisha didn't know. Didn't know what was going to happen. I got a feeling he might (laughs) Heads. Second thoughts, had he known. If we're going to live a committed life to Jesus Christ, just be aware of this. Know what you're signing up for. Sacrifice is required. And if you didn't know that, I'm telling you now. <laughs> you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you're going to live a committed life to Him, to follow Him wherever He leads you, then sacrifice is required. And you have to ask yourself today, what do I need to set on fire? Lord, is there something in my life that I need to leave behind in order to freely move into the amazing future that you have for me? I do not want that. If it means in any way it's going to hold me back from doing exactly what you want me to do, then let it burn. Uh, Erwin McManus, um, one of my favorite speakers and authors, The the Last Arrow, great book. i to read a quote passage from him he says if for no other reason it's important to set your past on fire to set yourself free from all the things you keep holding on to or that keep holding on to you and that doesn't just go for physical possessions so go ahead set the bitterness on fire light it up with forgiveness and watch it burn put the wounds behind you Put the betrayal behind you. Put the disappointment behind you. Put the regret behind you. Put all the failures behind you. Or better yet, cut them into little pieces, turn them into an altar, and let them burn. All that stuff is just baggage. And it's too much weight to carry. It will weigh you down, and it will hold you back. Let it burn. A little caution here, if I can throw this out, okay? Flashing yellow light, beware, beware, beware. Don't burn bridges that you need to cross again. In other words, important relationships. They don't fall into this category of excess baggage. All right? You're not getting along with somebody, make it right. That is not what we're talking. You're not putting that person on the altar as a sacrifice. It's Romans 12, one, right? We are to be the living sacrifices on the altar. And this too, not everything in your past needs to go in order to follow Christ. Not saying that. He might want you to stay home, stay on the farm. He might be, not be asking you to burn your business, but actually to expand it. Don't read into it what's not there. The point is to listen carefully for the call when he speaks through his word by his spirit to your heart. Stop what you're doing and run after him with all you got. It's so worth it. Missionary Jim Elliott, martyred the Alka Indians, said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. You've got to believe that. You've got to believe that. That it's worth it. That he's a good, good father. And he has good in mind for you. And a good future. He wants to use you for his glory. Fifty years ago yesterday, Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. Fifty years ago, I want to ask some of you: felt like yesterday, didn't it? That's how fast fifty years goes by. Amazing, incredible, unbelievable, and other such words. (laughs) You realize it was a very very real possibility that they weren't going to be able to complete this mission. I mean, think about it. This thing like all fell together in like six months when it came right down to actually landing and then like taking off from the moon. There was a speech prepared for President Nixon, all ready to go, in the kind of likely case that he was going to have to address the nation with the sad news that Armstrong and Aldrin were marooned on the moon. Lost in space. There they were. Never coming home. Thanks for getting there, guys. <laughs> Too bad. You're not coming back. Because there was no backup plan. Oh, let's just send up another one and we'll rescue them. Nope. No second chance. No do over. No, oh, take two. Total, 100% commitment, no guarantees. Why? Why? Because it was worth it. It was worth whatever the risk to land a man on the moon. Well, here it is. Are you willing? Are you willing to be thrust? Whoa. jettisoned, rocket, did out into the unknown to follow the one Who made the moon and holds the future in his hand? What's stopping you? What's stopping you? McManus also said this. More often than not, the journey to where God wants to take us requires that we travel further than we ever anticipated. The unfortunate reality is that many of us would choose our comfort rather than our destiny. We'd choose safety over opportunity. We'd settle for less than sacrifice more. I don't know about you, but those words hit me. My brothers and sisters, don't, don't settle for anything less. Don't settle for anything less than God's call for your life. And don't listen to the faithless ones around you. They're speaking doubt into your life because you know where they're going to take you? They're going to lead you in a wilderness for 40 years like they did under Moses, the people of Israel. So be a Joshua. Cross the river. Take the Jericho. You decide right now what will define you. You write the legacy that you're going to leave behind. You live like he created you to live. God is calling you. And if he has that specific call in your life, and you feel that mantle on your shoulder, then let go of the plow. Let go of the plow and just run. You're free. You're free. You're free to follow. And like Elisha, don't let turning back ever be an option. That's the whole point of the bonfire, right? It's over. I can't go back. Door's closed. I'm coming. I'm following. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. It's a meaningful song at a baptism, isn't it? It should be our theme song for our entire life. Oh, I am so glad. Jesus. I'm so glad that Jesus was totally committed to the Father's will. He was called to come. He was called to sacrifice his life on the cross for you and for me. He gave it all so that we would have it all. Forgiveness, a future hope, eternal life with him forever. Aren't you glad that there was no turning back for Jesus? Aren't you glad that he went all the way? Then maybe you're here this morning and you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ as your Savior. And so the idea of living a committed, <laughs> living as a committed follower, well, that's not in the game yet. I just, I pray That today will be your day. the invitation's always there. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know that he loves you. He wants you to know that he died for you. He's offering you that complete forgiveness from your sins. And life starting now an abundant life that you begin now and it goes for all eternity. He wants to give you that life of Elisha. Oh, to be in the center of his will. Just turn. Turn from yourself, turn from your sin and say, yes, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior, I'm yours. And follow Him. Follow Him. No turning back. No turning back. Let's pray. Lord, thank You so much. Again, thank You, thank You, thank You that yeah, You didn't turn back. You went to the cross. <laughs> and Lord, thank You You're not turning back. You're coming back again. Oh, And we get to spend eternity worshiping you and glorifying you. Lord, thank you for my brothers and sisters this morning. And I do pray. I pray that you'd set our hearts on fire to do whatever we have to do. Whatever we have to leave behind, Lord, in order to follow you fully. Believing it's the absolute best place we could possibly be. Well, I I just pray for us individually, us corporately, for us as a church, that we would be truly committed followers of Jesus Christ. And thank you. Thank you for what you're going to do because you're the one that has to do it. In Jesus' name, for his sake, amen.